Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open Podcast. This week's episode is on letting your body lead with Christina Carlson. Before I intro you to Christina in this episode, I just want to say thank you for your patience with the increasingly non-linear schedule that this podcast is on. Um, it is becoming a little less consistent and a little less consistent and I just realized um that I didn't even put out our every other week episode um a few days after I was supposed to have done that it's been a really wild month um all all good things I had my birthday um a few days ago I turned 28 I um I'm moving in with my partner which is super exciting and we're know creating like a sweet queer house together so we spent most of the month looking for housemates finding the house all of those things to move in together on november 1st so it's been a lovely time but it's been a busy time um and i've been you know feeling really pulled into my daily writing and my creative practice is feeling so so deeply rich right now with my writing Um, And also with quilting, working on the quilt that I started over the summer that my aunt taught me how to make. So I think all of that to say, like, if you need it, here's some permission to, like, trust the waves of your body and your own timeline. And uh, that's that's what I'm up to over here but I still love this podcast and I am so happy that you all are still here listening to it. Uh, Five... (laughs) five years later six years later oh my god (laughs) six years later so here's a little bit about christina christina uses she they pronouns they're an embodiment and intuitive coach and the host of the podcast bitches witches and queers which christina also had me on a bit ago and i'll link to the podcast in the show notes in the description if you want to check it out and hear us keep talking um, where she is interviewing me they offer one-on-one coaching for women and non-binary people who are moving beyond deconstructing life religion and relationship and into a life of self-knowing deep connection and peace she is a beautiful you coaching academy graduate sensual feeler and human enthusiast her own journey of embodiment led her away from religion and into discovering her own sexuality and a new spirituality she loves holding space for those processing big changes and giving permission to those ready to explore all that is possible for them in the episode we talk about christina's journey with healing and spirituality coming from evangelical christianity following her body's lead finding a space of internal safety, being with the parts of yourself that are difficult for you, not dominating yourself into the best, in quotes, version of yourself, cultivating compassion and kindness to accept yourself, going back to church experiences like weddings and funerals as ex-Christian people, what that's like, how we deal, 
how harmful religious ideas can be replicated in spiritual spaces to one of my favorite topics of this year, the basic human need to belong and creating new community and relationships after religion. There are just two things I want to highlight that are related to this episode that you might enjoy. My religious trauma workbook is a 110-page digital workbook full of prompts and reflections, meditations, rituals, somatic exercises to support you in your journey around healing and reclamation and deprogramming if you are someone who is also coming from religion or identifies as having religious trauma or being impacted by dogmatic religion. That will be linked in the description. And also, as I've been talking about all autumn joy notes my substack newsletter i put out a piece uh, a few days ago or last week i don't know recently (laughs) on abandoning myself and calling it surrender it's on shifting spirituality and using spiritual practices to hide from ourselves that is linked in the description as well. There's a lot of good conversation happening in the comments, and I would love to hear from you about this topic as well, um, because it's really speaking to a journey of spiritual evolution and moving beyond the idea of like practices equals spirituality, practices equals healing, and into like how do we not copy paste from religion and actually create a spirituality that works for us that doesn't. Uh, just make us enable ourselves and hide from ourselves and stay stuck and small, um, which I have done, did for a long time, and I talk about that in this piece. So check that out if you want, and please enjoy this conversation with Christina. So I always like to start the show by hearing about your journey. So I'd love to hear about your journey with religion and sexuality and embodiment and how it's all brought you to this moment and in the work that you do and feel free to talk for as many as many as long as you need (laughs) I thought you were gonna say as many years uh, because I might I was gonna say as many hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh my journey um If I was going to tell the tale of Christina's journey, I would start (laughs) off with my first memories. (laughs) Um, I was raised deeply evangelical. Um, My parents were in a lot of different evangelical denominations, but all of them around the evangelical sector. So I was, I grew up homeschooled until high school um, and in Baptist Nazarene and non-denominational and even vineyard churches. So there's a bit of a variety in there. Um, we kind heard of heard of vineyard churches. What? I haven't even heard of vineyard churches. Oh, vineyard is um, a lot more focused on gifts of the spirit. Um, there was mm-hmm. dancing. Um, it was a, a lot more like, um, yeah, gifts of the spirit focus. So, you know, there was that little bit of a divide between like the people who were like gifts are present day and like the Lord gives these kinds of spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And then the other crowd was like, that doesn't happen anymore. And that was more like the Baptists and non-denominational ish. That was kind of where my parents ended up landing in more non-denominational, mm-hmm. less, less freedom as far as expression goes with that. Um, but yeah, like my, my inclination towards spirituality has always 
um, actual spirituality has always tended towards nature. Like when I was little, I loved to just like sit outside. And I, when I saw the movie Pocahontas for the first time, I was obsessed with the fact that she had a tree that she talked to. And like my entire heart and soul were just like, that's real. Like that's, that's it. Like we talk to trees, like that is it. That is what I want. This is it. And, um, as we saw it in theaters, we walked out and my mom just, uh, tore it to shreds. She just made fun of it and said it was so stupid and like that it was, you know, bogus. And like, it, it really like, it destroyed me because I was like, Oh, what I, what my entire heart, like sang at the possibility of is, is bad, you know, and, and unsafe and whatever. So, um, that kind of like tampered that down for me. And I started to look at like my own instincts as maybe ones that were just dangerous and not helpful or supportive and began to live a lot more in my imagination. But, um, I was in the Christian religious community until I was 26, 27 around then. Um, when I first started to like take things apart. Um, I ended up going to Bible college, getting my degree in theology, helping run a Bible college, which turned into a cult. I was very dedicated. I was like the most dedicated you can get like everything all for Jesus, like held nothing back, kept nothing of my own, had nothing of my own. It was, um, really the essence and the art of losing myself. I remember writing that in Bible college, like the art of losing Christina. I, was, I had really accomplished that. And I didn't realize how devastating that was until after I started to, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was in an emotionally abusive relationship for um, off and on for seven years during that time. And um <laughs> he always wanted to argue about things. So he, he always said like, I want a woman who will, you know, argue and like push back and like, you know, have discussions or whatever. So I'd have these discussions with him, but like, because I was so like taught to like be who I was supposed to be. He like his biggest complaint to me all the time was like, you have no personality. You have no like individual, like you're, you're a non-person or whatever was something that he used to say to me. And like, that's obviously really hurtful, but like he wasn't, he also wasn't wrong. Like I had done what I was supposed to do to the nth degree and actually lost myself in that process and wasn't therefore wasn't able to, or knew how to show up at all. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Like <laughs> I could just keep going, but yeah well I'm like well how did you get from there what happened yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah I um I like to t tell my story with like the I feel like my exit ramp was the feeling of pleasure in my body mm. so I had been like going along for the longest time in like purity culture and like maintaining like safety by creating like like a rigidness in my body and that rigidness included like not feeling sensation so like a form of dissociation and i would 
I would go into that mode anytime I was around like other humans, like didn't matter gender. It was just like, if anyone got really close to me, I would just leave and become like rigid and not there. Um, And when I was in Hawaii helping run this cult, I got the opportunity to take a hula class and I took it like really hesitantly but I was like, what's it at church? Like it's for worship. It's like very approved, you know, mm-hmm. I had found a, a loophole as I like to say. And, um, I, it like, it took, it took me over like the, the experience of having to move slowly in my hips and in my body was so profoundly pleasurable, mm-hmm. not in a sexual way, but in a sensual way. I hadn't quite touched that yet, but it was just like so satisfying. And so I would just like practice for hours and hours. And like, I didn't know why I was doing it. I thought, you know, I'm just a dedicated student. I just love my work. Like I love to worship or whatever, but there was some, there was a satisfaction there that was just like, this is so good. Like when you don't have to question something that feels good, you just do it. And no one else is questioning it. And it's just like, well, that's great. It was just like this free pass of like, here, enjoy your body in this arena. And for me, it was just like the experience of like, oh, if I can feel good in my body, started to notice when I felt really bad in my body. Mm -hmm. And because of that, that same boyfriend that I was with, I ended up Um, breaking up with him because I kept feeling extremely nauseous when we talked about our future. (laughs) And I didn't know why I didn't have a quote unquote personality. I didn't have access to my power. I was just completely frozen except for the part of me that knew to dance. And I knew I had now a sensation of pleasure that was my own, that was untouched by anyone else. And because that had become strong, I knew that I knew that feeling bad was not how it was supposed to feel, at least not for me. I now had the potential to feel good. So what else is possible? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's kind of like how I started to leave because then after that, I moved um, to Kansas city and started to dance just for fun. Mm-hmm. and gain a sense of enjoyment there and my my like gut and nausea started telling me all kinds of other things too like I would just notice how I felt around certain people in certain spaces particularly in churches I just I would throw up when I went I would just like my body would just just revolting really loudly like this isn't this isn't the place for us this isn't okay and um it's, it's very profound to me because I feel like the knowledge has something that has been gatekept from a lot of people. Um, and also our connection to our bodies has been, however, we can access our bodies. Like our bodies are always here and there is more wisdom in our bodies than we've been led to believe because they're so powerful. 
So for me, I know there's all kinds of like intellectual also facts that I was like, well, that doesn't make sense about the Bible. And like, you know, I had friends who were going through that particular experience of deconstruction. And I needed that for a time as well, as far as like deconstructing the concept of hell, I needed Rob Bell to tell me that it wasn't actually in the Bible, you know? Um, (laughs) So there was that, like, my mind was also on this journey, but I kind of feel like it was my body that was leading me in this process of like, you know, you have capacity for peace you have capacity for calm you have capacity for good like it's worth having it's worth pursuing it's worth finding what's possible in that space and I think that's why it matters so much to me that like in the work that I do that people are connecting with their their felt sense of things and connecting with their own intuition because it feels like the most profound shifts happen when you're able to embody that experience because it just continues to transform long after you've had an experience yeah yeah it feels so true I think as you're talking about this I'm just picturing in my head you being brave enough to like hold your body's hand and let your body lead you when your body was really, really using all the tools it had to communicate with you (laughs) like that. This is not the way and here's what's actually life-giving and what's actually supportive for you. Yeah. Honestly, that's, that is so much what it has felt like. And like, I have been on this journey with self-compassion as well, which for me feels very related to my experience with my body um, where there's a similar response of just like, how can I be with myself in this experience? Not just the part of me that's like pissed that I'm having the experience, but also the part Mm -hmm. of me that's having the experience, you know, (laughs) because all are present in this moment, you know? (laughs) And the part of me that's pissed at me for being pissed at having the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And offering offering compassion to like every layer of that. Like the the part of you that forgets to practice self-compassion. When you think about it later, offering that part of you compassion. <laughs> I think that compassion is one of those things that people kind of like roll their eyes at or like self-compassion. They're kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, yeah, self-compassion is good. But I'm like, guys, do you know? Like it's really fucking powerful (laughs) it really is like it's not like eye rolling woo woo bullshit like it really is it's really powerful and it has it creates such expansive possibilities because we can go to so many places and we can be really brave and like make mistakes and learn in such big ways and make changes when we're like carrying the self-compassion inside of us or we can like Mm. it's yeah it's so good. It's a, it's a space of internal safety. Yeah. Yes. If, if you are safe for yourself to make mistakes mm-hmm. with, it's a lot, I wouldn't say easier, but it's, it's more possible to cope when you make mistakes with others. If you know that you are on your own side mm-hmm. and that happens through kindness and self-compassion with your own experience, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's moving from a, a 
concept of domination to a concept of like having power with someone with equality. So it's like domination to equality. Like we dominate our, our bodies and our culture. We dominate everything that is below us in whatever hierarchy we've been handed. But that's why I think it's so easy to roll our eyes at self-compassion. It's like, but you should buck up and like do shit and get things done and whatever. It's like, it seems passive to be with what's happening, but it's so, it's so powerful in the long run to actually bring those pieces together instead Mm -hmm. of continuing to live divided against yourself. And to like be a safe place for the parts of you that you wish weren't there to be there. Like the part of you that is really selfish, the part of you that's really scared, the part of you that's like really such a bitch, like to like let all of these parts in and be like, it's okay. Like, I still love you. Like you can be here. That's fine. I don't really want to like embody you fully, but like you can be here and we can talk and I'm not like ashamed of you. (laughs) I think, yes, I think it's, it's so funny. Like, I'll never forget. I think it was like a year and a half ago or something. I was like, it occurred to me on like a full level that I wasn't going to be the quote unquote best version of myself. Mm. And I was like, oh shit. Like (laughs) I am actually going to be me. Mm. Like there, there's no changing this. Like it's, it's not, unless I continue to try and dominate myself my entire life and exhaust myself and am miserable, Mm -hmm. I am not going to be the quote unquote best version of myself. Mm -hmm. It is, it is like in that moment, I realized that my journey was actually to accept first, accept. I don't ever tell people just jump to love. You got to start by accepting (laughs) things that you don't like. Um, and and sending love and naming worthy those parts of myself because like resistance to that doesn't doesn't help and it was it was so profound and I just like kept laughing at myself I was like I just have to fucking be me and like yeah it's like you know what people tell you your whole life to be you but they want you to be like a very specific version of that but it's and so do you and so do you because it's like what you've been told is fantastic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like actually like the things um, that really annoy me about myself are things that I will have to love and accept and embrace mm-hmm. in order for me to actually be happy mm-hmm. instead of fighting myself my entire life. Yes. To be, <laughs> to like come into submission under the, this like version of you that you are supposed to be based on like all these God. different like upbringing and trauma and systems of oppression and other people's expectations and then you're like upset when you're not measuring up to that self and it's like why do we even want to like mm. at the core of it like when you said I don't want to be my best self I'm like yeah I don't want to be my best self I want to be my most alive self I want to be my most human self my most yeah. self like that feels way better important. Yeah. 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 Like, I just want to lay down. I'm not, I'm not trying to save the fucking world. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, yes, do things. Sure. Um, of course, obviously there's lots of things that need to be done. And also like so much of your capacity for change and your capacity for changing the world 
comes from accepting and being with yourself in places of shame so that you can move beyond that and actually change. Because if you don't have capacity to be on your own side and to have like an experience with yourself that's difficult, you can't face things that are challenging because they're too overwhelming. You can't face being wrong because it's too overwhelming to your system. It has to start with like accepting that I can fuck up. And that doesn't mean that I am a fuck up. Like it's possible to, to have that experience, but it takes self-compassion. It takes kindness in those spaces in order to be with what's hard. Yeah. And I think you also can't, um, can't feel like, like it's, you're not safe to experience like pain and big feelings within yourself. So like, I think Mm. I spent so much time just like uh, trying to avoid feeling anything because I like couldn't handle it. I was, it was too, my fear about the feelings was like too big, Mm -hmm. um, which we all know is like the whole numbing thing, the whole, like, we don't feel this, we don't feel anything. And, and I think that's a really, like sad way to live and it's like not really alive yeah and it's also so necessary like for whatever you were dealing with you know like we don't do we don't do anything without a purpose like if we are numbing ourselves it is for a reason you like offering yourself compassion even in that like the those responses our trauma responses, they happen faster than our minds can possibly get to like that. Those things that we are doing are not even conscious and they're happening because they're trying to protect us. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just very, it's very interesting to like look back on our spaces of numbness and the places of, I wasn't really aliveness and to love that part of yourself because Mm-hmm. it was too fucking much yeah yeah that's why we left mm-hmm. I feel yeah. that so much I'm like I don't feel any shame over that part of myself like that was just like where I needed to be and what I needed to do but I'm also really really glad to not be there anymore <laughs> yes yeah and it's also like it's also interesting like um being back around those experiences or having another experience of trauma of some kind after having left. Cause you notice you can sense it in your body in a different way. And you're like, Oh, I'm noticing that I have left. <laughs> like just, just being aware of it and knowing what you need to come back and um, handling it differently because now you have a relationship with your body the thing mm-hmm. about like it happening so young and growing up in that, experiences that we knew nothing else and like we like had no memory of not feeling like that I mean I like to think that we had a blueprint of it somewhere in our Mm. you know human experience which is why we were able to come back to it but like I feel like it's different happening later in life than from our first memories you know yeah, because like now I know what it is to feel good and to feel nourished and to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you said, like I didn't know another feeling that. And I totally feel that when I've had to go back to 
the only times I've really gone to church things now in the past few years is like funerals. Um, and even being in those spaces where there's like a big church service, like around the funeral, I'm like, wow, this is, feels almost intolerable to me. Like I really have like a strong feeling and sensation about it. Whereas mm-hmm. like I, I was in a place like this, not at a funeral, but a church service like multiple times a week, every single year of my life for almost Mm. two decades and like I didn't have those intolerable feelings for a long time but I have such a different connection to my body and to myself now and it's just so different yeah yeah I um I was at a wedding this past weekend that was deeply religious and what's interesting is I had um and I'm studying to be an energy coach as well. And I had an energy coaching practice session with a partner of mine through um, DEX, which is Devoted Energy Coaching School with Sora Schilling. And um, in this practice session, I was, we were kind of like talking about these experiences and me going back into these places. And um, what kept coming up for me was like candy. Like I kept getting like in my energy space, like sweet things and candy and like just this abundance of sugar. And um, so I was like, you know, like just loosely like, okay, that's, that's super nice. I feel like that's like a positive lighthearted thing that I can like have. And then like during the ceremony, um, someone had given my daughter a lollipop and she just like turns around and hands it to me. She's like, I don't want to. And I was, so I was like sitting in this service, like listening to like things that are like truly traumatizing and really harmful, just like sucking on this lollipop, like thinking so like not, not out of my body. It was actually like in my body. I like put, took my shoes off and put my feet in the grass, but I was like, so interesting that like the way that humans have made meaning around this and how focused they are on getting things right and how much fear is based in getting things right here that they've lost their like not entirely but they've lost so much of themselves to (laughs) I'm trying not trying to be punny but nail it um (laughs) with you know it's like they're trying to like just get it right and like that emphasis and I was just like sitting there like wow this is so interesting and harmful and like look at how weird humans are (laughs) (laughs) it was it was like watching a cult I didn't feel Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like um like it was touching me which is like um the first time it's felt like that in a while Mm -hmm. and it was like it was a very interesting experience to to be in that space and know in my body like my body was like this is crappy and also it felt like it was outside of me Mm, yeah you know what I mean yeah totally well I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how some of those things that you just shared about like really needing to get it right and all of that are are sort of replicated (laughs) outside of religion in spiritual spaces too yeah I, I like, I keep taking apart this idea because I, I find that like, like religion, it has its roots in so many things. Like we, 
so much of our culture is based on like getting things right. And we have a very small framework for what that can look like. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that comes from fear of what might happen if we quote unquote, get it wrong. And like religion for a very long time has been used to control populations. Like it's, it's been used to dominate and control people for like, I don't know, numbers, a long time. <laughs> a long time. Um, <laughs> but it's, I find that unless you take a really deep look at that and continue to take a look at how that shows up in your life, getting something right, being right in a relationship, um, doing all the things right and expecting a certain result. If you don't, if you aren't aware of that, it's easy to just end up in all kinds of spaces where you're doing the same fucking thing. <laughs> and it's not a religion. It's either an MLM or it's a, like, it's a, it's a yoga space. It's like, or a spiritual community or like a wellness community where they're saying like, these are the steps. If you follow the steps, like this is what, you know, it's manifestation. It's like you do these like particular steps, you do this work and this is the outcome. And like, there's, it's subtle. And like, I'm not saying any of these things are wrong. Like yoga is not wrong. Manifestation is not wrong. Like it's not bad, not wrong or right. It's just, when you come at it with the perspective of getting it right or getting it wrong, the focus tends to be on control instead. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not wrong. It's just exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, because we like control, a lot of control is an illusion and like there's some things that we can control about ourselves, mostly our actions um, and what we do with the things that we're handed, but there's so much that we can't. And like our responsibility is the things that we can actually control, but it's so much easier instead of doing what we were talking about earlier and going through that process of practicing self acceptance and self love and self compassion, like really healing and loving. It's easier to try to just do the right things Mm -hmm. in order to get a result that you're deeply desiring or needing because you want the ideal self. You want to have the better, whatever it's now it's a natural desire, but like the, the way that I think like so many people play into this is like our desperate want to be right and to have nailed it. I think it's also our desperate want to be good Mm -hmm. and like the bar of what good is is different in these different like communities and spaces and in religion and like the definitions are changing but it's still the same idea of like I want to be good Um, Mm -hmm. there's good and there's bad and I want to be good yeah we want to be good because of the consequences of what happens if we're not and what it says Mm -hmm. about us if we fail yeah. There's there's like always stories there that we have from our own history or what we've been handed in mm-hmm. our culture of what it means if we don't get it right. Which yeah. means we're we're bad. Yeah, and like the consequences of like not not experiencing belonging. Like if we're bad then we might not belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course we want to belong. That's like such a basic beautiful sweet 
need. human thing. Yeah, exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it can get really toxic. <laughs> yeah, I. that's so interesting. Like the... Again, I think so much of this comes back to like our like capacity to be with discomfort. And like, I think the resilience is built not by just like doing a bunch of hard shit, but actually by like finding spaces in your body that feel good and finding places where you can expand from gently um with yourself with kindness and in community because like healing is not a I don't think it's I don't think it's possible to have like a whole healing without some sort of contact with other people like I think that we're we're like social animals and we need that connection not just to exist with but also for are healing, especially if we've been done harm in groups and communities and like finding spaces and creating spaces and working to heal in spaces can have such a profound effect on our experience of what it means to be human and what it means to belong. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the idea, like, yeah, it's all, it's all interconnected. And of course we, we heal through relationship. And I think that that's something that has felt really important for me, especially over the past few years and so much, and feels so much more clear. It's like, oh, like this is actually the work of my life. Like, I don't really care about anything else. It's like about cultivating beautiful relationships and big love with like, all the people around me and taking care of each other and Mm. being with each other. Like that's, that's what I care about most of all. And when you have like real deep relationship, like it can be so triggering. (laughs) I'm like, bring up all of the like mirrors of everything. (laughs) Uh And feeling and like also being able to like work through that. And I know it's something for me, like that I learned in my family system is like conflict equals death like we don't have conflict we're deeply avoidant you know and like to be able to have actual like healthy generative conflict with friends with my partner that moves us into like deeper relationship and more connected ways of being is like holy shit like I couldn't have done that healing on my own like that has to happen together you know Hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and I think like this is different for everyone, but I think like coming out of an abusive environment with community, it can be incredibly supportive to cling to one-on-one relationships and smaller connections. Um, at least that was how it was for me. Like I, I didn't start doing group spaces for many years afterwards because it felt way too vulnerable but as I like developed that capacity on my own and with my therapist and coaches, it was like, I started to notice that like in those relationships, it was possible to be vulnerable and that expanded to like 
a little bit more and a little bit more. And like you said, then you're like, oh, like my healing can't happen without this. Like this is the necessary thing. Um, that's next. And again, everyone's journey is different. It could be that for you to begin with or not. Um, but I think, I think as we connect to ourselves on a deeper level, we start to notice what it is that's right. Not right. (laughs) Um, we start to realize what, what is this like the next best thing for us? Like what our hearts and bodies are longing for, you know, what feels like something to move towards and orient towards. Yeah. 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 Christina, thank you so much for being here and for having this conversation with me. I want to ask you the last question I always ask on this show. Yeah. It's just because the name of the podcast is Living Open. What does Living Open mean to you and what comes up when you hear that? I love that question. Um, Living Open. You know, I think of, uh, I believe it's Ram Dass um, talks about keeping your art your heart open through hell. Mm-hmm. And the, there's like this, um, this way of maintaining a openness to the possibility of love and goodness mm-hmm. in the midst of whatever is happening in life. So, and like, I don't, it's not like a, to me, it's not like a judgy thing or like you have to keep your heart open while you're being hurt or anything. It's not like that. It's more just like, um, almost even just keeping yourself open to the goodness that is in yourself in the midst of everything that's happening. So no matter what, always allowing in the joy that comes your way, mm-hmm. the love that comes your way, the little beautiful things that are in your life being open to those and and the possibility of of anything mm-hmm. like it's to me it's like a way of working through the the issue i have with control around um not not actually controlling but the illusion of control it's for me it's a way of letting go of the illusion of control Mm-hmm. is just allowing that openness of like I want this really bad but like I'm open to maintaining this openness to like whatever happens yeah, yeah. I love that so much can you yeah. tell people where they can find you and connect with you yeah um I have a website Christina M Carlson.com um and then on Instagram at at Christina Carlson life coach and those are probably the two main ways um to follow me however I have a podcast called bitches witches and queers that I update almost weekly and have the most fun with so if you mm-hmm. want fun things to listen to it's a very good podcast would recommend. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.